faithwire.com. A new report says the CDC withheld important COVID-19 data from Americans. And today is Wednesday, February 23rd, 2022. I'm Dan Andros. We'll have that top story and more in today's four and three podcast from CBN's Faith Wire. And you can find us on iTunes. Go ahead and subscribe there. We would love to have you join us uh, here Monday through Friday. That's when we're here. And with me, as always, Trey Gons Phillips, Billy Hallowell from CBN's Faith Wire with a look at what's coming up. What's going on today, guys? Well, just living the dream. Yep. As always. Living the dream. Hump mm-hmm. day. So we're halfway through. Halfway home. Um, so I'm going to be talking about a new study that shows an intriguing link between religious upbringing and academic performance. The details are, are fascinating hmm. to me. So huh. we'll talk about that. Huh. It's almost like another one of those evidences where... Right? The Christian yeah. life and Christian the Bible starts bringing us closer to truth. Huh. I, I mean, imagine. Yeah. Imagine. Shocker. Well, we're also going to be talking about a Chinese pastor who was reportedly arrested and charged for preaching the gospel. She has been in prison for almost three years and has been sentenced to eight years. Goodness. Unbelievable stuff there out of China. This is just on the heels, Billy, after we talked about them rewriting the Bible. And that was a big story that many of you read on uh, CBN and Faithwire. And um, so we'll be looking forward to the details on those. We're going to start right here, though, with this bombshell report that says that the CDC withheld data. They've been receiving heavy criticism on this. And, you know, U.S. states, they rely heavily on COVID-19 data that's collected by the CDC. Uh, But they're not publishing large amounts of the data it collects. This is according to a New York Times report that has said the CDC has been leaving out important data about the effectiveness of boosters in adults under 65 years of age and that it had only recently provided wastewater data that could help localities predict a surge in coronavirus cases. Now, guys, uh, side note here, I... I had not heard, before researching the story for today, I had not heard of the wastewater data. And so in looking it up, it was, because I was wondering what's the tie between the wastewater and how you can predict COVID numbers. And so I'm looking it up and it's uh, not the answer that I was <laughs> expecting. I don't know what I was expecting, but I was I was kind of like, huh, that's that sounds like not, it sounds like a dirty job, maybe a Mike Rowe job, but uh Basically, the wastewater gives um, officials a way to track the spread of coronavirus because it can be detected in human waste of residents before they're prompted to get tested. Since, uh, you know, it's not like testing data. You know, the wastewater doesn't rely on people showing up to get tested. They're just testing the water. And so that's that's the wastewater data thing. So I just want to pause you real quick and and ask. Who drew the short straw to get that? Job? I don't know. I don't I know. Just, it's very short straw, and it's very can't be very, very many people vying for that task. <laughs> Whoever upset Anthony Fauci the most—that the rotating <laughs> schedule of people. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, not a fun task there. But that's that's a side note there. So, um, obviously, uh, you know, the the CDC here is getting a lot of criticism for this, and so uh, they'd already been facing a lot of criticism for their handling of the pandemic on many fronts and messaging on masking and things of that nature. Um, But all this comes after a New York Times article raised numerous questions asking 
why the health agency has withheld or delayed releasing information to the public. And the areas of this withheld information include COVID-19 hospitalization data, which includes stuff like race, age, vaccination status, as well as information about the efficacy of booster vaccines among people from 18 to 49. And uh, that's the group that's least likely to benefit from the shots. So, um, you know, the implication here, what a lot of people are saying is it looks like they thought this information would be used to denigrate or diminish the effectiveness of the vaccine. So they chose to not put it out there so readily for everybody to see. And that response is receiving heavy criticism because, guys, as we've talked about on this podcast so many times, in the early days of the pandemic, Fauci has admitted to lying about the masks so that there wouldn't be a run on the masks for the healthcare workers. So the, the big problem with that is if you're willing to tell the noble lie, how do we know when you're telling us a noble lie or not? And so then you see information like this where they're, they don't trust people with the truth. And again, that should say, that sends a chilling message to people and they're rightfully upset because um, why does it matter, guys? Well, if you have our institutions here openly admitting to us that they're lying, withholding information, but they're doing it for our own benefit, that's a problem. Americans should be trusted with the truth and to rid of that, and they shouldn't feel like it's their responsibility to manipulate the information out there in order to get a desired response. Well, yeah, and that's that's what this has really been the whole time is just a really bad informational flow from the beginning on mm -hmm. don't wear a mask. Oh, no, wear a mask. Oh, we told you not to because we wanted to make sure we preserve them. You know, this continued, hey, we know best, we know better. That really is the perfect term because when information comes out, and I don't understand why in this era the government will assume that nobody is going to speak about this, right? It's one of the most highly publicized, debated issues of our lifetime of course, if they're withholding information, someone's going to speak about it. And so what they're not understanding is that their poor communication, which, by the way, they have access to the best communicators in the world. How they end up communicating this way is beyond me. Mm. But their poor communication has done nothing but fuel distrust in the vaccine, distrust in everything that they're saying on this. And, you know, I, there's just there's a better way to do it. Be honest with people. Let people make their own decisions and trust human beings in this country to, to then exercise their freedom instead of withholding and breeding distrust. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's almost like the CDC and Dr. Fauci are just following the playbook put together by the media, which their trust numbers are very, very right. low. Uh, and why are their numbers so low? Because they're gatekeepers and, and they decide what we see and what we don't see. They put spin on things that they think should be spun uh, in, in one direction or the other. Uh, so because... The, they don't think that Americans, I guess, the, the impression that you get is that a lot of the media thinks, well, they can't handle all of these details of the truth. So we'll just give them this watered down version uh, with a few talking points tossed in that will tell them generally what's going on. Look, and that's led to complete skepticism of the media. And we're seeing the exact same thing now happening with uh, the CDC. Dan, like you said, we should have access to all of the information. It's, it's then on us to take that information and make sense right. of it. But we should have access to that information. It should not be withheld from us, particularly since our tax dollars are going to fund the research that they're doing and then withholding mm. from us yeah indeed well we'll keep an eye on that and uh, i know uh we're hoping to have a conversation with our own Lori johnson our cbn health reporter mm. coming up and we'll put that up 
on our uh, platforms and Faithwire CBN and um, on YouTube and Facebook, everything else, once we have that. Uh, and so we'll have all the updates uh, there as they come out. Yeah. All right. So story number two. Uh, so there's a new study showing uh, quite an interesting link between religious upbringing and academic success. Uh, we already know that there's a link between faith and happiness. It was a Pew research done in 2019, a study done in 2019, uh, that found that those who are religiously affiliated, they're Christians, they're active in their church, whatever, uh, they're much happier than those who are not engaged in, in any sort of faith, are agnostic or atheist or, or whatever. Uh, but now there's new data showing that there might be a connection between being a believer and growing up in a communal setting, uh, fellowshipping with other believers, and how well you do in school, and even uh, how much post-high uh, school you know, college education that you pursue. So in her new book, uh, God, Grades, and Graduation, Religion's Surprising Impact on Academic Success, author Alana Horwitz, she's an assistant professor at uh, Tulane University, uh, she said that she believes, her study has shown, uh, that belief in God and belief that there's a God actively involved in your life and watching over you, particularly for younger uh kids and teenagers, uh, she said that it, it incentivizes conscientious and cooperative behavior, uh, which leads to better outcomes uh, in education and even potentially in the work field. Uh, so this is what some of her, her studies found. Uh, the professor said that intensely religious people uh, do better in school. They have better GPAs, uh, much better GPAs, actually, by, by a 10 percentage point uh, mat, you know, difference. Uh, but this is what she defined, so we can define the terms. This is how she describes an intensely religious person. Person, She says there are people who see religion as very important, attend religious services at least once a week, pray at least once a day, and believe in God with absolute certainty. Um, so that's I mean, it's a pretty robust definition. And she said for the purpose of her research, uh, she consulted numerous studies and concluded that about one quarter of American teenagers today uh, fit that description. Uh, which, sadly, I thought I was actually kind of surprised that it was as high as it was, um, because you just you don't know what what culture looks like these days, particularly with the the secular world. But uh, in any event, roughly one quarter, like I said, of American teenagers, she, she said, fall into the category of being uh, intensely religious, and she defined those people as abiders. And this is from our report up at faithwire.com. She said, after analyzing data collected by the National Study of Youth and Religion, which periodically surveyed 3,290 teenagers from 2003 until 2012, uh, she concluded that on average, abiders had a roughly 10% lead over other participants. Not only did they perform better in school, they also were more likely to pursue additional college education. Uh, the tricky part, though, is figuring out why that's the case. Uh, a lot of it is is potentially due to the fact that teachers obviously like students who are going to follow the rules, who are going to be respectful, who are going to be hardworking and conscientious of their environment. And these are all character traits that are common uh, in people who grow up in Christian homes who are active in their church environment. Uh, so this is one of the, the quotes that she, she said. Uh, it could be the case that a kid who is really religious is more likely to have parents who sit down and do homework with them and be really involved in their school. Uh, so I thought that was interesting, too, is parents who are involved uh, are more likely to be or, mm -hmm. or parents who come from a you know a religious family. They're more likely to be very involved in their kids lives. So there are a lot of different factors. And one of the potential negatives, she said, is there. Uh, a lot of religious people tend to be risk averse in some situations. 
Um, so she said it might not work in your favor as you get older uh, because you might not be willing to take as many big risks and move away from your family and leave the community that you grew up in and, and potentially go to a bigger city, more left-leaning city. Uh, but I think there are many factors that play into that that she didn't quite explore in this report. Uh, but either way, it's an interesting study. And like we said at the top of the podcast, guys, I think why it matters uh, is we see study after study after study that show the the benefit of growing up in a Christian home, of growing up in a Christian culture, of being active in your church, of instilling these biblical principles in your children. There are so many fantastic takeaways, and obviously that's just the tip of the iceberg. The the real reason we pursue Christ is because He's He's redeemed us and saved us uh, from our from ourselves. But there are all of these other secondary benefits of growing up uh, in in a Christian home. Yeah, yeah, and I I think your point about um the parents being engaged, I think is huge because, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if that's the biggest difference I notice, and again, like, you know, we have four kids, we're 16 to six and obviously we're not perfect parents by any stretch of the imagination, you know, before anybody gets that notion on this, but, but the difference you can see, um, in the group of friends that, you know, we're circling around with that are very involved in their kids, you know, education and, and their lives growing up, there's just a mode that I think culture gets into in general of um, where it's, well, I ship my kid off for that. And the, I, I, that's not my job. Like they, they do the, the numbers, the X's and O's and all that. And then they come back. And, mm-hmm. and I think you kind of, you know, inadvertently in a lot of cases, if you're, if you're not making a concerted effort to, you know, make up for that with involvement, I think you can very much have a detached, you know, sort of relationship there. And, and then maybe that, leads to less interest uh, in in performing academically. And and one other thing I'll throw in there too, this is, you know, my theory as well, but Christians, you know, look at the world differently. We all have worldviews, um, but when you look at the world as being made by God and everything in it is a wonder from God, um, you may have a little more interest in trying to learn things because, you know, you're excited about like what God has made and and kind of learning more truths and why is truth important and why is knowledge important and it's and it all comes from God. So um you have an I guess another reason to to care about it, right? I, I just remember growing up and just being like, oh I don't want to care about this subject. I mean, I'm never using this thing, you know. And that was my only view of it. Well I'm never I'm never gonna be a chemist, so I don't care. You know, but when you look at it from, oh wow, look at how God designed things and, and there's all these elements and everything else it opens up a whole new world. Yeah, you're suddenly really interested in wanting to understand, even if only on a base level, you know, why and how it was done and what the purpose is. When you walk around telling everybody there's no purpose, it's all an accident, you know, then you might hone in on one or two things. But I could understand when you have that theological worldview that you're going to want to dig deeper. And it doesn't surprise me that there that there would be this connection, right? If, if there's truth and you're following truth and you're doing what you should do, then there should be residual impacts in every area of your life because of that. So to me, I think we're going to just see more and more of these studies come out and verify. We've seen the happiness studies. We've seen the, I mean, women are happier in their marriages. The list goes on and on and on and on and on. And it's actually, you know, faith affirming and really exciting to see these studies come out. Yeah. All right. Why don't we head into uh, story number three there? All right. So 
our next story is a really tragic story out of China. We've covered a number of Chinese stories lately, talking about the church there, the government control of it. Um, in this particular case, we have a Chinese pastor who was reportedly arrested and charged for preaching the gospel without government authorization. She also was charged with fraud uh, because I guess she was asking, you know, for tithes, which is what happens in churches. And because she was collecting them, that was considered a problem by the government. Um, there's a whole history, but the pastor's name is Hao Zaiwi. She's 50 years old, and um, she really had been a pastor for a couple of decades, so it's an interesting story, um, and I'll get into a little bit of the background after, but she was sentenced to eight years in prison earlier this month. She had already been detained for two years and seven months, so she's been behind bars uh, for a long time. She's had a lot of struggles behind bars in terms of her health. She actually almost lost her life at one point due to some health problems, uh, but yet her faith has not wavered. And there was a letter that International Christian Concern published that she wrote on February 18th to her 18-year-old son, Paul. Um, she told him that God is faithful and that the Lord has given her peace even after getting this eight-year sentence. Now, it's interesting reading the letter, and we have it over at Faithwire um, in its entirety, because you really get a sense of how people's faith, who are people in the, in these kinds of circumstances, how their faith sustains them. She told her son, quote, do not worry too much about me. My cellmate received her sentence on the 10th, 12 years. Today is the 18th, and she has not been able to sleep. Once I received my first indictment on the 11th, I only had trouble sleeping the first night. I was praying about it and was able to sleep well since then. God's peace amazingly descended on me. And I love that last line mm -hmm. there. Um, but there's some really heartbreaking parts of this letter. She talks about not being able to be there for Paul and for his brother Moses. Now, Paul is 18 and Moses is a middle school student. And just for context, their father died in 2018 their mother was arrested in 2019. So as far as we know, they're alone. They don't have anybody. And their, her son Moses is very depressed, which she talks about in the letter as well. And so you know, what is the takeaway here? The takeaway, again, is that the situation in China is dire. You have a person who's been, you know, gosh, arrested for almost three years without a trial and now suddenly has been found guilty. And as far as we know, it sounds like what she was doing was preaching in a church and doing it without the government's permission, something we would obviously have the right to do here uh, without any issue. And so this is just a tragic, tragic story. But her faith is inspiring people. It's inspiring her attorney and others who are watching this unfold and who are saying, wow, she, I can't believe her attitude despite everything that is going on with her. You can read more about her backstory. And also, you know, we've got some link outs to the work we did on how China's rewriting the Bible, which is really part of this, um, you know, really dire situation there with the Chinese Communist Party. Yeah, it really is. And, uh, you know, you think when you hear what chills me, especially is when you hear that accusation in the report there that you just went through, Billy, of, of not having government approved worship. And that's exactly what they're doing with the rewrite of the Bible. It's going to be when they're done with that, that you you can't use these other Bibles unless you have, you know, um, or you can't really, you know, a government approved church will have to have that government Bible is essentially what I'm trying to communicate there. And yep. and, and that's terrifying. That's terrifying for these people. And, uh, and, and really sad that they have to fight to get the truth like that. And at the same time, inspirational to us here in America, when, when when we experience a fraction of the persecution, ours is more um, sort of peer pressure-ish and 
you know, um, people being accused of being homophobic or whatever um, accusation comes at Christians here, it's a fraction of what they face over there. And so it is an inspiration to see Christians tackling that stuff head on and putting their faith first when you know it's going to cause you personal grief and suffering. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was talking to somebody earlier today about the importance of storytelling because that's what makes an impact on people. Uh, it's not these abstract numbers and uh, the data though that's important. And I'm grateful for the organizations and the watchdog groups like uh, Open Doors that, that's doing the research. Uh, but uh, it's important to tell these stories as well, which is why I'm, I'm grateful that, that you wrote this story, Billy, and why we do that at CBN and Faithwire because, uh, you know, you, you see the numbers and you, you understand kind of um, from a distance the persecution that's going on. But when you see these and read about these absolutely heartbreaking situations, it's where the rubber meets the road and you really get a, an inside look into what they're going through. And not only does it, like you said, Dan, it teaches you about the blessings you have in, in our current situation here in the United States, but it also teaches us how to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are facing persecution in China and, and other places around the world. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, that is all the time we have for this podcast, guys. We appreciate you all being here. Um, we made That's it. We made it through through the middle of the week. Yeah. I mean, then tomorrow's Thursday, and then it's Friday, and then you're there. I mean, see how easy we make the week? I mean, this is unbelievable. I mean, we should just... People should share this podcast I, so the should. week could be easier for other people. They should. Help make your week easier. Just share this podcast with your friends. And um, just you can be insufferable about it. We give you permission. But head on over to cbnnews.com, faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. We'll be back here tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless. <laughs>